Hey, speaking of elitists, uh, it wasn't a bless, blessing to have Derek with us this morning. Derek, well, yeah, amen. There he is right there. <laughs> uh, when, I, when I went over, we used to have Derek with us and then he left. No, uh, we, when I first started at Vineyard Church, he was a worship leader there, still is uh, leading worship for young people. And he's just, uh, he's just a real, he's a real person, but he's a really gifted, talented person. And we were blessed to have him here in Morgan is so faithful to always share her gift with us too, so we're excited. So here, here we are. How many of you were here on the first day? First day, all right, so several. Derek was with us on our first day. He's like the bookend, started it off. He's finishing it off for us here at the, uh, the YMCA. It really has been a blessing to be here and have the opportunity to get started because we, we were really just in prayer, like, God, we don't know where we're supposed to go. We ask a lot of different places, like, is your space available? And then when we looked at it, it was either too small or there wasn't enough parking and on and on. And then uh, I was exercising one day. I thought, you know, I wonder about this room. And so we asked and they said yes. And so here we, here we are and here we were because come next week, it will be a different setting if you were with us a few weeks ago at the school. So much more space. The seats are a lot more comfortable. The mood lighting's a little different. Um, but that just means God's going to allow us to grow and there are going to be more people sitting around us to, uh, to be connected here in this community. So we're, we're thankful for that. Hey, let's just have a moment of silence for all the lamenting Royal fans, Royals fans here this morning. Let it go, let it go, just like in that movie. <laughs> because today is a new day, right? And Annie was right, the sun will come out tomorrow. It did come out today, and, and, uh, and so that's all good. My wife has a plan, though. My wife's plan is that they lost last night because then they're going to shock the world and they're going to win tonight, and then they're going to win on Tuesday night, they wrap it up in six games so that she can have Bible study on the seventh night, all right? <laughs> so I've learned that if my wife said it, it's so. It's true. So we'll just speak that over the Royals <laughs> right now, like they have anything to do with it, I'm sure. I love how people take it personally responsible, like somehow it's their fault they lost. Man, I don't know what we were doing. What we? There's no we. You're not on the team. Seriously, let it go. Let it go. Well, we just want to, let's just pray and we'll jump in. So God, we, uh, we just, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus and we don't want to talk about you, Lord Jesus, like you're not here. We want to look, there's a song that says these words, we want to look right at you. We want to sing right to you we want to speak to you because more than anything else God more than a a win a victory in a game we need you to speak to us what would you say to us this morning God if you had our ear I know for certain you would you would say that there are some things in our lives that we do need to let go of you would you would tell us even, in, even with all of the defeats in our life, you still love us. Those are the things I know you would say to us. So help us to block out all the things that are getting in the way, all of the noise that distracts us from hearing those words today. For that's really the most important thing that we can hear today. It's how much you love us and the purpose you have for our lives. We praise you and we thank you for giving us this space. We pray that you would like in the Old Testament, you would go before us with a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and lead us over to this next place where we're supposed to camp for a while. Um, 
so that your presence can be known there, uh, even, even in a greater measure here in this, in this community. And thank you that you let us be a part of that. And I say us because it's all of us, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, it was what we believe about salvation is the, is the topic that we're going to be speaking of. So let's look back a little bit. Let's look back a little bit. And in the book of Exodus, there's Genesis, Exodus. So it's the second book in the Bible. Exodus chapter 14. Don't have time to tell the whole story, but the people were in captivity. God had come to them. He said, I'm going to rescue you. Literally, it says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to rescue you from slavery. You need salvation, my chosen people, and I'm going to take you out of Egypt, out of this place of slavery. And so he begins the process of making that happen. It's quite a story. And we're going to pick up in uh, Exodus chapter 14 and verse 26. The people escaped Egypt. They're running for their lives. They come to the sea where they're, they're trapped and they don't know what to do. And in Exodus 14, 26, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and the chariots and the horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. The Israel, or, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israel, Israelites saw that the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in, the Moses, and in Moses, his servant. And then this was a song that was sung. Moses, um, then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. The reason why I wanted to read this to you is because this is the first time the word salvation is used, at least in the New International Version, when you do a search for the word. It's the first time this word salvation is used. And the word salvation means Yeshua, which is so close to the name of Jesus. <laughs> Yeshua, meaning salvation. It's a powerful thought. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior, it says. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who, who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue and I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them and I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. 
Let me just say this morning that that God is the same God who will lead you today. He is the same God that when you come up against things that hold you captive, and I'm just giving the sermon away early, he's the same God. He's got a plan. He's already revealed his plan. He's lived it out in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's salvation. That is the good news, friends. And we could just say amen. And we could just say, that's enough, right? That's enough, but I still have 25 minutes, so (laughs) that wouldn't be enough. (laughs) And you're like, yes, that's awesome. That's the best message ever. (laughs) I can be home in time to start cooking and before the game starts. What time did the Chiefs play anyway? Noon, yeah, oh, he knew right away. He's like, get on with it, Pastor, get on with it. (laughs) Salvation, oh, it's the same God, this name, Yeshua. What a powerful word, deliverer, you know? And can can we all just be real this morning and say that all of us have something we need to be delivered from today? All of us, we do. We come in. We come in with things that we need salvation from. Mostly it's myself that I need salvation from most of the time. I just, if, I, if I could just get out of the way, God could have his way, but I'd just stumble back into the scene so many times. Well, since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve were removed from the garden because of sin, mankind has needed a Savior, right? We've needed a Savior. God gave them the law to guide them, gave them kings to lead them, gave them prophets to warn them, but it was still never enough because the people broke the law consistently. Oftentimes the kings were the ones doing it. They were corrupt because they suffered from the same disease all of us have, and that is the disease of flesh. All of us, because we're human, we struggle with that. And most of the time they just ignored the prophets or they just killed them. That's one way of silencing them. They just killed them. But then there was Jesus. Jesus was the one who did not consider equality with God something to be held onto. Instead, it says he put on human flesh, entered into humanity to become like us. He had to become like us, to be tempted like us, to understand what it's like to be human. But Jesus wasn't just any ordinary human. He became what they would call the Lamb of God, the one who was worthy to sacrifice himself for the sins of the world, for your sin and my sin. And that's such an elementary teaching. I get it. We're in church. You're like, you're, you're supposed to hear that. But you know what? Think about this. There might be someone here this morning that's never, ever heard that. It's possible. And the more that we reach out into our community and the more that we want to grow, there are going to be people who come who have never, ever heard that message before. So we're responsible to make sure they hear about that. Well, I want to show a video that gives us a a picture of 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 us of of humanity. So check this out. A man fell in a hole. He fell in a hole, and he couldn't get out. A traveler passed by. He told the man to meditate. 
to purify his mind, and when he reached Nirvana, all suffering would cease. The man did as he was told, but he remained in the hole. Another man appeared. He explained that the hole didn't exist, and neither, in fact, did the man. It was all an illusion. The man who did not exist was still stuck in the hole that was not there. Another visitor arrived. He instructed the man to perform good deeds to improve his karma, and though he would still die in the hole, he might be reincarnated as something magnificent. Another man looked down from above. He taught the man to pray five times a day facing east and to follow five important tenets. If he was faithful, one day, perhaps, the divine would set him free. The man prayed as best he could, but he was losing strength, and in the hole he remained. something different about him. He called down to the man in the hole and asked him if he wanted to be free. This man lowered himself into the earth, into the pit. He took hold of the man. Romans 3.23, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture for a lot of us. You know, most of the time we hear Romans 3.23 and we never hear the good news that follows it. It says that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is death. So we could just say that for all have fallen into the hole. And the, what we reap for being in the hole is death. Unless someone comes to save us, we're stuck there. And eventually you're going to die. Something interesting that I noticed last week, we were talking about um, Satan. And in the book of Ezekiel, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but it's in Ezekiel 28. But if you like the underlying stuff and just keep track. In Ezekiel 28.15, when it was describing Satan, it said that he was blameless in all of his ways from the day that he was created till wickedness was found in him. Here's something that's, here's a contrast. People, because of the curse of sin, are all created, in a sense, wicked, until righteousness is found in them. It's almost the exact, well, it is the exact opposite. Satan created perfect, 
wickedness was found in him, he, curse was, the curse was upon him. Mankind, on the other hand, were born into sin until we find the remedy that purifies us, that cleans us from that sin. It's an interesting thought. So we're all in a hole. So religion's, religion could be man's attempt to get out of the hole. And many religions have come and gone to offer us the remedy. Just do this. Even, even churches or, every, or denominations or certain um, isms could say, just come and follow our teachings. Be a part of our church. That is the way to get out of the hole. And isn't it true that the enemy of our soul would love for us to believe these lies? You know, his, after all, he did come to kill, steal, and destroy. So he, he would love for us to put our hope in anything and anyone else other than Jesus. And that is a harsh reality. So even in the midst of the things that we bring in with us today, the things that we're struggling with, the things that, that bring pain in our life, we, we can find all kinds of things or all kinds of people to help us with those things. And it's not that there aren't, there aren't um, valuable things out there. Like, the, um, I mean, mental illness is obviously real, and there are doctors who help us work through those issues, and I think we do need people that we can go and talk to and get wise counsel from. I think that's important. I think it's crucial. We need that. And I think God gifts people to be able to help. Because, you know, when you go to some, sometimes you sit and talk to people, they just will say things to you or help you work through stuff. You're like, man, I didn't even think of that. How did you, where did that come from? And they're like, well, hopefully it's, it comes from the Lord. And they're helping you, kind of directing your steps, pointing you um, onward. The enemy would love for us to stay in Egypt, right? Because let's just consider Egypt our captivity or our sin that we're held captive in. And he'd love for us to stay there. And I think one of the most dangerous things about false religion or false philosophy is the fact that they seem so right. And people are so convinced. You know, when we know something is wrong, we look at, that's just wrong. We know that's wrong. That's, that's one thing. But when we look at it and think, um, I don't know, there's some truth to that. I mean, it feels kind of good. I actually feel better thinking about that than I do about this. And we get caught up in that. I think we've got to be really careful to make sure that we look to the truth. It seems like sin in itself is, is uh, it seems good at first, doesn't it? I mean, I know for me it, it does, and it did. In my past, I mean, there are some things, and I'm like, man, this looks, this seems right to me. It feels pretty good. I like this, but that's where, that's where the hook comes in. I think the enemy, he, that's how he gets, he snares us in a sense. We get into that trap, and then once we're in there, and, we, and the longer we're in it, the uglier it becomes. You ever had a situation like that in your life? The longer you're in a situation, Ooh, this does not look right. Like, I'm, uh, how did I get here? <laughs> I know for me that's, that's the truth. And the scary thing is, is we are powerless, especially when it comes to, to the, this disease of sin. We're powerless to do anything about it ourselves. Like, he could not get himself out of the hole. It's not that he didn't try, but there was nothing that he could do. But here's the good news. In Romans chapter 5 where it says that God demonstrates his own love 
for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in the hole, Christ died for us. Later on in Romans 5, it talks about how sin uh, came into the world through one man. So we all get into the hole through one unrighteous act by one man. Well, the good news is, is one righteous act by a good man, (laughs) by Jesus, says results in justification in life for all people if we choose to believe. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says that Jesus came to do the will of the Father, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Once, that one sacrifice for all people. Let me read you the rest of Romans 3.23. You can turn there if you want. 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what if the like film ended there? <laughs> Okay, for all of sin and all fall short of the glory of God. But yet it says later on, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. The rest of Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the rest of the story. That's the good news. Are you glad that God is a patient God? Children, children, kids in the room. Have there been times where your parents have been impatient with you? Yeah, it's okay. You're like, yes, yes, just matter of fact, today. But then, but then have there been times where your patients are, or your parents are extremely patient with you? Yeah, Brooklyn. <laughs> they give you second chances. And, but you know what? The Bible says that God is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is so patient with us. Do you know that God is for you? Not against you? You think, well, there's times I feel like, like he's just giving it to me. Like that, the whole thought of God, you know, it says God will never give me more than I can handle. You've heard me say this before. That's not true. And there's nowhere in scripture that says that. There's lots of stuff in life we can't handle. I guarantee it. Lots of stuff. Every day there's something I can't handle on my own. I need some help. God is for us. He loves us. How do we know that to be true? So for God so loved the world that he did what? Yeah, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, later on it says that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. If that was the truth, Jesus would have looked in the hole and said, you deserve to be there. Good luck, pal. I'll be over here. Come and see me when you get out. But that's not how Jesus rolls. That's not how he rolls at all because he came into the world to save the world. Acts 4.12 says that salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by God that you can find salvation through. That is the name of Jesus. Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So we went to Joplin this weekend, and there's two different ways you could get to Joplin from Platte City. There's probably a couple of different ways, but the two main ways. You can either drive through Kansas, 
or you can drive through Missouri. And if you look on your little GPS thing, they're just almost right, just run parallel, but you can just go through Kansas and then cross over into Missouri and go to Joplin, or you can just drive down in Missouri. Two different ways to get to Joplin. But I want, I, want to, I want to encourage you guys with something this morning. Though I believe what Scripture says about there's only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ, there are many different ways we get to the cross, though. Every single one of us have a story, right? And our journey is different. My journey was I was raised in church, I knew the truth, I strayed away from it, I went through a divorce, my life was a mess, and then I came back to God, all right? That's a pretty common story for a lot of people, but that's not everybody's story. My wife's story is a little bit different, but then again, there's some similarities there too. Raised in church, knew the truth, she knew who Jesus was, she knew Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life her whole life, but yet she um, strayed away from it. Every single one of you have a different story. Some of you will grow up with a story that is, is a blessed story. You'll grow up with a story that says um, you, you grew up in it, you always believe, you've lived a faithful life. Yeah, you've got some issues in your life, but it's really not that big of a deal. You haven't had one of those aha, got to come to God moments. Praise the Lord if that's you, if that's your story. But not everybody has that story. So I want you to think about, you know, two ways to get to Joplin. There's many ways to get to the cross, but once you get to the cross... Once you get to that place, now, no matter how God gets you there, and God is patient with you, and he'll get you there somehow, but when you come to the cross, there's a choice that you have to make. There's a choice you have to make. And then someone say, well, Christians are so narrow-minded. There's only one way to heaven. Well, praise the Lord that there is one way to heaven, and praise the Lord that God lets us get to the cross in a lot of different directions. And there's no prescribed way. Well, you got to be this. you got to be an American. you got to be this. you got to be... No, there's no prescribed way to get there. Every single one of us come there at a different way. And you know what? If you get there without a lot of pain in your life, praise the Lord. Don't say, well, I'll just have to learn the hard way then. Don't do that. I didn't set out saying, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up. I'm going to grow, uh, grow up. I'm going to get drunk one night at a bar. I'm going to have go do this, I'm going to go leave the bar with the wrong woman, my marriage is going to end, and then I'm going to get my life straight with God. Yeah, that's how I'm going to do it. I did not say that. That's not, that was not God's plan for my life, I guarantee you. If I would have asked God early on, he would have said, no, Brady, I have something better for you. But I did it my own way. I was in the hole, and I tried to get myself out. Does that make sense? So every single one of us come to the cross from a different route. If you, look on, if you looked on a GPS, there'd be the cross. You have all these different places and all these different routes to it. But once you get to the cross, and we all get there together, we say, you know what? There's only one way from here if we're going to get to the Father. And that's what makes Christianity different than any other religion on the face of the earth. So we can say you're narrow-minded. You can say you're exclusive. You can say that you're all brainwashed. You don't know... All I know is where I'm going to put my trust. You know what? And if I'm wrong, then I've just lived a really good life here on earth, blessed a lot of people, tried to do the best that I could, and then I'll just become worm food like everybody else. But if I'm right, I have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Young people, listen to me. Live with a purpose, and that purpose has got to be better and bigger than you. Adults, listen to me. <laughs> Live with a purpose. It's got to be bigger and better than just what you think you can do, what, to, what you think you can offer in this life. We can't do this on our own, though. You can't have salvation on your own. 
It's God's gift to you. It's a, it's a gift of, of His grace, it says. We're saved by His grace through faith so that we can't boast and say, because that's what we would do. We'd be like, look what I did. I did this myself. I feel so good. I pat myself on the back. No. It's a gift from God so that we can't boast about it. So, so how does that happen? How can we receive this gift? Well, we must confess with our mouth. Once we get to the cross, we must confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is who he says he is, that he did accomplish what he said he, he was to accomplish. It says that we must believe that Jesus is Lord and, that we, and, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. At this moment, we'll be rescued from darkness and brought in to this light. It says if we believe this, we will live. Even in death, we will live. Gives us hope, right? Gives us hope. You know what I was talking about when we were caught up in this, this trap of, of sin. The longer we're on it, the, the uglier it becomes. We're on that road, the uglier it becomes. Life with Jesus is the opposite of that. The longer we live in the freedom that Jesus offers us, the more beautiful he becomes. Oh yeah, there's still going to be stuff we struggle with and difficult moments in our life. But the more free we become, the more we can truly live and the more that we can truly live to serve him. There's a quote by this guy on Twitter. It's a guy named Todd Atkins. He works for Lifeway. He says, it's not just if you die tomorrow, would you be with Jesus? It's if you will live tomorrow with Jesus in your life. It's not just about having heaven when we die, which, by the way, is a, is a great plan, and I like that plan. And that makes the difference to me that I know that I have that. What about how we live? What about the other issues in our life that we need salvation from? I mean, sin is the greatest problem, and we need salvation from that. God has already provided the way for that. Through Christ. But what about some other issues that we struggle with? Um, can this God deliver us from other areas in our life like stress and anxiety? Is it possible? Is it possible that he's concerned about our depression and the oppression that we feel sometimes with things going on in our life? Is God concerned when we're angry with ourselves or when we're angry with each other does God take our our pride and our selfishness seriously <laughs> what about our guilt and our shame is, is, it, is it does it get to the point where God says all right that's just too much okay the sin thing I took care of but the rest of the stuff you guys are struggling with I, I don't know what to do with that like the people of Israel in the story that I shared in the very beginning Rest assured today that God sees your suffering. And he hears you crying out to him. And just like he came down, it says in, in the book of, of Exodus, he says, I'll come down and I'll save my people. Uh, G, uh, Jesus came down to save his people. And this morning, I would, I would want you to know that God will come down to you to rescue you. It's not just about getting some good feelings while we're here. It's about a, 
of believing it and applying it to our life and living it out moment by moment. And just like you can't trust in your own abilities to save yourself from sin, you cannot trust in your own abilities to deliver you out of these things that I just spoke of. Isn't that true? Because we all, haven't we all proved that we can't trust ourselves? Because I've tried many different times. We have to believe that Jesus is sufficient in all of these areas. So we're going to, um, we're going to share the Lord's Supper today. It's our last time here at the Y. And here's what I want you to do as we get ready. Um, when the music starts, and I'll tell Zach when it starts, when the music starts, um, if you're on the front row, you're going to come to the, to the center aisle, you're going to go back, and you're going to take a piece of bread, and you're going to take a cup of juice. Now, our table is open for anyone to come and eat. But here's the thing that you need to do before we start. I want you to ask yourself, Am I still in the hole? Has Jesus saved me? Have I confessed with my mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe that in my heart. I would say that would be the first step you'd want to take. And then as you go back and as you receive the cup and the, and the bread, Jesus did this for me. And he's sufficient enough to not only take care of my sin. Listen, if Jesus can take care of the sin of the world, he's got your back on the stuff you're struggling with this morning, I promise you. But do you trust him? Do you trust him? So when the music starts, we're going to give you a moment of silence first, and Zach, I'll tell you when. So I want you to bow your heads. Later on in the book of Exodus, it said, the people saw the mighty hand of God and they had great reverence and fear and they put their trust in Him. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that just as we wait here before You, as we take the bread and we take the cup, we will remember Your mighty hand of the way that you rescued us from the sin that we were in. And because of that, we would have this incredible reverence for you. We will remember what it is that you've done, and we will trust you. That is the truth, and that is the reason we celebrate the Lord's Supper today. So Jesus was with his disciples, and they were having the Passover meal. They were remembering what God had done for his people, delivering them out of slavery. And so then he takes this meal and transforms it into what we celebrate today as we remember how Jesus delivers us from the whole, from slavery of sin. And so we take this body and we remember what Jesus has done. So take and eat. In the same way it said that he took the cup he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. So the blood that was spilled on the cross was so that we could be forgiven for our sins. So we remember this. So take and drink. So Father, we, we praise you and we thank you.
to be reminded this morning of your great salvation, your mighty hand that delivers us. God, we, we believe that you can deliver us from sin. But God, I pray that we would believe this morning that you can deliver us from whatever it is that we brought in with us today. Just like all of us have a different journey to the cross, all of us have a different story. And we come with things that we need salvation from. Remind us this morning that we cannot do it on our own. We're not even supposed to try. We're supposed to bring it to you. Maybe bring it to a few other people that we can trust. And let you be the mighty deliverer. We thank you so much that you love us, you're patient with us, you never give up on us. I pray that we would um, remember that as we leave here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stay around and visit if you want. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Remember, uh, as you leave this morning, we do have an opportunity for you to give, um, to bless the work that's going on here, especially as we get ready to transition over. Um, Remember, don't come back here next week. Um, unless you want to work out, <laughs> a quick workout in before church, and then we'll meet you at the high school auditorium and start sharing the word, get the word out so that we can, uh, we can fill up those seats. That'd be awesome. So thanks for being here this morning. God bless you.